0: I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved.
1: War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Mann.
0: Okay, welcome back. Uh, Saturday, 4 February, year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, Poso had, had to bounce, uh, but we had, uh, you know... We had it the straight, tough way from Congressman Matt Rosendale out in Montana and also Jack Posobiec, one of the smartest guys I know in this space. One of the other smartest guys is uh, Dr. Peter Navarro and uh, Dr. Navarro joins us now by phone. Uh, Peter, people know you as the the Trump manufacturing guy. And, you know, you negotiate all the Chinese deals. And and, and you're an expert, a Ph.D. from uh, Harvard in economics. But I know you – when I first you know, knew about you and your writings and your filmmaking was about you understand the Chinese Communist Party and President Trump understood this. You, you know the Chinese Communist Party, I think, better than the, at least the people you and I met in our intelligence community, right? <laughs> you, you, you've done books there for years. Yeah, I read their intelligence
1: briefs. I did – actually, intelligence briefs, whoa. Um God, he never had it
0: right. Uh but anyway, I digress. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Peter and I would sit there, you get these briefs from these guys, and you know, we'd look at each other. he kinda of side side eye, and then Peter would always have his the greatest put down Navarro came out and goes, now exactly why is this classified?
1: Yeah. And
0: and they would go absolutely <laughs> nuts. But it wasn't just classification. Was it wasn't the classification, was it was just it it was it was just the understanding. Walk me through and I want the audience to appreciate the fact and because we're talking now, you know, Blinken and you uh, on um, yesterday's show, we started the show by talking about the Financial Times of London had a, uh, a headline in the morning where we started the show. Blinken to meet Xi during landmark China visit in sign of thawing relationships. And all it talked about is how Biden's done so much to bring them together after Trump and Navarre and Bannon and all these, you know, people didn't know what they were doing. Uh, You know, we're hammering the CCP about a decoupling. Um, And then, of course, before the show was over, it was canceled because of the spy balloon. But it's much deeper than that. Talk to us about you. You've been uh, basically writing about this. I think 2004, 2005, 2006, your first book and then your second. You've talked about the war of the Chinese Communist Party upon the West in a very sophisticated way of like unrestricted warfare. Walk it. Walk us through your theory of the case. And where do you think we stand today, Dr. Peter Navarro?
1: Well, I, just as a preface, it does frustrate me that, that, that back in 2006, I wrote The Coming China Wars, 2006, Death by China in 2011, Crouching Tiger, Will There Be War with China in, in 2015. Uh, that trilogy... Uh, basically um, is as right today as it was back then. And it it just frustrates me to hear these clowns in Washington saying the same stuff I was saying back in 2006, never having done anything about it. What I'd like to do for your audience is put some perspective on this particular incident and take it back to April 2001 when this Communist China jet jock, Wei Wang, was... Uh, doing some very aggressive maneuvers on a Navy P-3 reconnaissance plane in international waters in the South China Sea. Wang managed to clip the wing of the P-3 plane and and essentially kill himself because he plunged to the ground. But the P-3 had to limp its way uh, 70 miles to Hainan Island, which is part of Communist China. Um, And... What ensued then was what Mike Pillsbury would call the the four humiliations, where they they perp-walked the the crew, Uh, they held them hostage, Um, they stripped that plane of every piece of classified information, which we now, according to uh, reports years later, was considerable. And the biggest humiliation was they gave us the plane back, but only after Lockheed Martin uh but broke it down into pieces, and they shipped it back in crates, okay? Now, I mention this because can you imagine if a U.S. balloon was discovered flying over Chengdu, right? What, what, what would the Chinese have done? If we – what the Biden administration has done is said, eh, uh, no big deal, blinking, you come home for a little bit, we'll send you back when the, when the dust clears – the Pentagon says, don't shoot it down. You might hurt somebody. I'll tell you what, if we, this was the Trump administration, one of two things would have happened for certain. Shoot it down, or better yet, force that thing down, to do ground, and then examine what exactly was in it. Because the Chinese are trying to make us all believe, in their usual comments shine a big lie stuff, that somehow this thing, it was just a weather balloon. Yeah, I ain't buying what they're selling. And and that's the difference between Trump land, Bannon land, and Navarro land versus Biden and Blinken land. And um, what, what the bigger picture here is that this kind of activity, this aggressiveness of Communist China, basically tells us that they're preparing – for war against us. yeah, you know, I don't think it's going to be a hot war necessarily unless it's over Taiwan. It's going to be unrestricted warfare. They want to put they want to like they want every picture they can whether it's from TikTok or whether it's from a weather balloon or wherever so that they can identify our infrastructure and paralyze it using whatever tools uh they can. So that that for me is is the broader perspective on this incident. It shouldn't go away, but but Everybody's going to try to sweep this under the rug. And they'll call uh, Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro, the only two guys <laughs> who were sanctioned four minutes in um, to the Biden regime by the Chinese Communist Party and are being held in contempt of Congress. Only two people on the plan. Billions on the plan.
0: Go ahead. We got two, we, two, 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 two uh, entities. One is the yes. criminal element out of Beijing. Yes. The other is the criminal yes. element out of washington dc i've got the book up and if denver can just i've got unrestricted warfare which i always keep my marked up copy is up in my library but i always keep a fresh copy here on the desk at the war room i I need you to go back as a tutorial because this is a teaching moment uh peter walk me through the concept of unrestricted warfare as seen through the eyes of the chinese communist party in the pla sir
1: Uh, The the whole idea is to be able to bring an enemy to the knees, the Sun Tzu thing, without firing a shot. And then at the other end, is like to have this hot war where it leaves the nukes and everybody dies. But in between there, the unrestricted warfare is just a really wide range of techniques to bring a country to its knees. For example, in moments of tension – um, you could shoot satellites out of the sky, right? No, nobody dies with that particular act until all communications are down. There's chaos on the ground and America's in turmoil. Or, for example, you could hijack our, our rail system. Uh, or you could, uh, with, with um,
2: uh,
1: computerized attacks, you know, so some you know, malicious hardware, you could take a computer chip. It was made in a Chinese factory that found its way um, into an F-35 and, you know, to basically stop it in midair and have it crash to the ground. Um, you could uh, <laughs> spread COVID-19 uh, through a population to stop Donald Trump from getting elected and then deny uh, that it was from a lab in Wuhan. I mean, it's just so many things you can do. It's the, That concept, D plus asymmetric warfare is the heart of what the Chinese are going to do. And for me, the asymmetric warfare is like taking, taking a million-dollar missile to sink a billion-dollar aircraft carrier, right? So this is the way the Chinese think. They're coming at us relentlessly hard. Unrestricted warfare also includes infiltrating our universities and stealing... Uh, all our new technologies from Silicon Valley and, and our research tanks. So, the, <laughs> and look, Steve, I've written all about this for for years and years and years. And yeah, you got you know Tom, the Tom contents of this world. Uh, everybody's running on a tough on China thing. It's like, quit talking, do something. Just friggin' do something, Steve.
0: Let's talk about that. Do something. You you started doing your notes in the, in the book basically in 2002. So essentially over 20 years, you've written yeah. a trilogy about the conflict yeah. and the coming conflict with China. Has there yeah. been anything since you first started that you've seen in their behavior that's been either not captured in your book or some change of their strategy over the 20 years that you focus on this professionally, sir? No, I mean, it's all there.
1: You Just go back and read. But by the way, peternavar.com, you can get you can see kind of each of the books and the summaries and stuff like that. But it's been obvious, Steve, since they joined the World Trade Organization in two thousand one. That's that was the, the, the turning point, okay? Because prior to that they didn't have the resources to build up their military and be that aggressive. Once they got Uh, into the World Trade Organization and began systematically dismantling the American manufacturing base, exporting our factories to China and accumulating vast sums of wealth. And I'm always reminded by the fact that our trade deficit with China is about equal to their annual military budget, no coincidence there. Um, They've just been relentlessly going about what, you know, Pillsbury calls his 100-year war. They're just – and look, I mean, all the people – um, sitting on the Chinese side of the table now, when they meet Blinken and all, they're the same people that sat across from me and you, and and the Trump people. And it, it's a great advantage. It's like they're the same people, and it's like ah, oh, they change administrations like diapers, you know. It's like, and we just go on and fool the next, and some are easier to fool than others, you know. It's like the Biden people are compromised and foolish. They're, they're like they're like pieces of cake. Can you imagine, Steve? When Tiger Wang was given that lecture to Tony Blinken in Alaska at the first meeting, if you and I had been sitting at that table, how long that would have lasted? Pardon my French.
0: Well, Um, but hang on. But hang on. You saw that, though, uh, over at uh, Kushner's family's office building. They came over a couple of they flew over immediately to see uh, when President Trump, you know, took the call from the president of Taiwan and they had to fly over right away. And one day was I think it was General Flynn. Jared, myself, and you, and then the next day was uh, yeah. Jared. It was Sabbath, and it was it was me, yeah. you, yeah. and fun, And they yeah. they try to read you the riot act, and we just sit there and go, "Hey, sorry, yeah. you know, we, we're we're, we're, <laughs> we're not, not so sorry. sure about the, the about the Spratly Islands, right? <laughs> they freaked out. Yeah, when, we're not so sure we agree with this one China yeah. policy, and they freaked yeah, I out. I remember, yeah. You know, so this I this remember,
1: uh, 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 when, when we were ahead. around down in Buenos Aires, and and Trump was threatening to put the original. Uh, so it, raised tariffs by a significant amount more. And watching uh, Winnie the Pooh there, Xi uh, Jinping, the, the dictator in China, just kissing Trump's ass. That was a, a sight to my home. We, we got out of that meeting, and, and Donald Trump's eyebrows were like, wow, did you see that? Um, you know, the sad part there was that it worked, that and worked, and we backed off a little bit of the from the tariffs because of the Mnuchin Cudlow wing and all that stuff. But you know, it's like these people they're playing for keeps, Steve, and they're coming after you and me, uh, certainly directly, but the, the whole country. And um yeah. we're just we're just we keep getting further and further behind. I don't see any progress whatsoever. Yeah, they try to marginalize you or me or Daphne or whoever tries to raise this stuff. And um, you know, like Christian's got his kids learning it's, Chinese and I, I couldn't figure that out until I realized what was going on there.
0: No. You got the joke. Uh, yeah. I know you gotta bounce. How do people get to all your yeah. content? We got about thirty seconds. Where do they go? Glad to have you back on board. Where do the people go to get your content?
1: Well, the big big I ask now is go to give send go forward slash Navarro. Give send go forward slash Navarro. I got a big legal bill I got I gotta pay in the next couple of weeks. And uh, folks have been really good about uh, small donations. Don't don't do any more you can afford, uh, but that'll that'll help a lot. And of course, PeterNavarro.com's got all my gateways.
0: Uh, Peter Navarro, honored to have you on here, Doctor Peter Navarro. That look forward one. to having you that back. Uh, make sure that make sure you thank thank you. We're going to get you off the injured reserve at some time, Doctor Peter Navarro. Thank you very much. Honored to have you on here. Okay. Um, energy, the backbone of the American economy, the thing that can change your life around today. What's the status? Uh, What's the direction? And how controversial? All next in the world. Despite the U.S. blowing through $31.4 trillion debt ceiling in January, the leftist White House still refuses to reduce spending. While our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand, When it comes to fiscal responsibility, it's time to pull yours out. Think about this. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000, and it's only going to get worse. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with birch gold. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is king because it's dependable gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals? Here's what you need to do. Text Bannon, that's B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of our precious metals specialists. Protect yourself with gold today by texting Bannon to 989898. That's Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 with an A-plus rating. With the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers and countless five-star reviews, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Text Bannon to 989898 today to get your free info kit. Take action. Use your agency. Okay. Um, War Room. Excuse me. CPAC.org slash War Room. Let me get this organized now. CPAC.org slash War Room. 47 bucks off. I think the ticket's under 250 now. General mission, get to go to everything. Uh, and most particularly, get to be as part of the live audience uh, for the War Room, which we're going to be doing, I think, from I think Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, right? You'll get to see the War Room be there as part of the uh, live audience. Uh, if you remember how great the shows were at Turning Point in the Greater Phoenix Metro area, and of course in Dallas at uh, Texas CPAC, Dallas CPAC. We want everybody there to participate. You get to meet the entire team. We'll have a lot of our contributors there. It'll be just incredible. Uh, Really excited about it. I want to see you there. 41st time, I think they've given a discount to a group. So 47 bucks off by going to cpac.org slash war room. I want to see everybody there. Next week, we'll be announcing all these tremendous speakers they're going to have. I think all the presidential candidates are going to show up. President Trump's already committed. That's been announced. He's going to have the big speech on Saturday afternoon, I think, right before the poll goes. Dave Walsh joins us. Uh, Dave, first thing, uh, the weather, historic uh, up on, um, you know, this, this uh, even for a Saturday morning, it's cold everywhere in the Northeast. Record, I think Mount Washington's a minus a hundred with you know wind chills, or wind chills of a minus a hundred. It's blowing hard up there. What um, the situation in Texas? Has the grid held up? Do we have a do we have a massive grid problem in the country that can't take these uh, these weather anomalies, sir?
3: Yeah, we seem to continue to have signs of that. Uh, Central Texas had up to Thursday 171,000 people out of electricity. This morning, 123,000 people just in Austin out of electricity across the state, 260,000 people. Nationally, 400,000. Once we get into truing this up a few days from now, we'll hear it's actually been a lot more, if history proves, from December. Uh, But again, it's... There is some issue with the ice overhang in Texas and lack of reliability of lines, but we're back to nothing really has changed there with respect to the lack of power generation for the coldest time periods and and the warmest periods because they're 28 percent dependent on wind power, which operates very intermittently and not when it's below uh, 20 degrees unless systems have been de-iced, blades have been de-iced. You've got the inability for that gigantic generation resource to be useful at all in this type of weather. So that's in the mix, undoubtedly. Austin is near the uh, the the wind farms west of there. Dominantly is where they are, and that power somewhat comes to the eastern part, central and eastern part of Texas. When it's not there, it's a huge problem. They are Uh they are moving ahead to go ahead with some kind a capacity payment structure now. ERCOT is considering to promote the investment in baseload continuous-duty plants they badly need.
0: Okay, talk to us about that. Nobody's having that, at least you're not in, in any of the you know, Fox News or MSNBC. Nobody's talking about a solution here. What is the solution so that we get off the hook that people's lives are in jeopardy, their livelihood's in jeopardy? What needs to be done here?
3: Well, the, the issue with this, they keep they keep calling it the grid. The grid is a problem. The problem now is across most of the country Texas, California, Minnesota, the areas suffering from these brownouts is, is the power generation system itself, not the grid that transmits it. But the fact of so much renewable, intermittent, um, largely non-usable energy systems have been built displacing. And the, and the sin is that coal plants and nuclear plants have been shut down in mass that produce constant on-demand, what's called dispatchable energy. Meaning again, you can hit the start button. You know you have electricity that you don't have from solar and wind that operate intermittently. So many of these shutdowns have occurred that the country is now bereft with a vastly increasing number of shutdowns. So the the country needs an augmentation of more continuous duty power generating plants built. Right now, the one that can get built most rapidly is a combined cycle natural gas fired plant that recycles its exhaust into a steam turbine through a heat recovery steam generator in a recycling mode to make the most efficient use of gas, which, by the way, is very cheap now. Suddenly, again, at $2.80 a decatherm, So building combined cycle plants that can run all the time is a way forward in these markets that lack not now lack, unfortunately, like the third world, lack continuous duty power plants. Because, again, electricity is not saved up in a storage bank. It's used in microsecond it's created. It's not it's not held in reserve anywhere. It's not like water. It, it has to be used the moment it's created. So you always need more generation capacity than you have demand for electricity or you have brownouts and blackouts.
0: Is, is capacity being built right now? Is that already underway or is it just being debated, discussed? Has it been financed? Is this actually being um, built so that we're going to put this problem in back of us in a year or two?
3: The capacity payment thing in Texas is being discussed in public hearings now. Uh, looks like something's going to happen within the next six months. So it's happening there. But again, the country is divided into uh, regions, the FERC, federal electricity administration regions, and the states have a lot to do with this through their public service commissions, forcing uh, utilities to build more baseload generation. And in a lot of states, uh, public service commissions, depending on who the governor is and how the governor's oriented, Because generally, the governor appoints public service commissions, for example, in California, vehemently opposed to building any baseload continuous duty plants because they deem them all to be polluting, whether coal, gas, or nuclear. They don't like any of them. Um, So you've got that issue in California and a number of other states where governors, um, especially upper New England, England, the upper Northeast, the upper Midwest, where you've got a preponderance of Democratic uh, governors holding back public service commissions from approving any more baseload generation and, in fact, tearing down that which they have because a lot of it is coal and nuclear. Uh, It's a horrendous problem. If you you take the collective forecast that uh, uh, a firm like Market prepares the forecast for industry of how much solar and wind is going to be bought by 2030, if you take the forecast of that new capacity that's going to be solar and wind it's two and a half times what we have today, just in seven to eight years. We will have reserve margins down from 25% today to about 12% by then, which is a horrendous issue with brownouts and blackouts asymptotically go up, not, not linearly, but will, will triple and quadruple in number if we absorb that much more solar and wind while shutting down the amount of baseload energy sources they're forecasting will be shut down. So uh, there is some, uh, you know, the fact of this happening is uh, horrendously on side with many, many, many more brownouts and blackouts and unstable electricity supplies as we go forward.
0: The the, the big energy, energy companies have been reporting this week uh, profitability direction. A lot of them are saying or some of them are saying, hey, instead of putting our cash flow back into production, development, distribution, marketing, uh, downstream, uh, we're going to play the financial engineering game and just buy back stock, you know, buy up to 25 percent of our our equity. Uh, you've got this big controversy on ESG. You've got the public pension funds. Ron DeSantis is saying if and these guys don't stop ESG, they're going to pull the public pension money out of it. And then you've got the SEC part of it. Walk us through in a couple of minutes. Where do we stand with capital markets and these companies that have heretofore really been driving uh, our the full spectrum energy dominance, sir?
3: Well, uh, Chevron led the league with this uh, share buyback, 75 billion planned share buyback, which is un- unheard of over a couple of year period. Um, but they've, they've been they've been punished with uh, five shareholder votes, pushing management and the board to adopt even more aggressive ESG compliance measures than management and the board have wanted to. But when you look at that, you get like 0.62 percent of the shareholders actually get to vote in these in these activities. Brokers that hold shares don't vote them. So you've got very small groups like the Massachusetts uh, Pension Fund and CalPERS, um, State Government of California, controlling uh, huge blocks of shares in Chevron that that basically forced five five votes against management that lead them now to just slide into second base safely instead of taking a triple by uh, returning funds to shareholders by buying back stock instead of investing in their core business. Now, the rest of the industry, though, is, uh, it looks like they've reacted to this. ExxonMobil have doubled down on, hey, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna stick with our core investments in oil and gas, we're gonna hold their capital spending and their production and um, in, in investment plan in new, in seeking new oil fields and investing in production. Uh, BP CEO Larry Bernard Looney indicated that he's gonna begin to pull back from renewable investments British Petroleum have been making because the returns are so poor. So that's a very positive thing. And now today we're hearing the SEC might actually begin to ease some of these rules on the on companies needing to disclose the effects of extreme weather and, uh, and emissions costs inside of their financials in ESG space. So there's some positive, positive movement that shareholders are beginning to push back strongly, at least investors, on, on some of the ESG stuff. You've got massive BlackRock, Fidelity, a couple examples, big studies have been made of underperforming ESG-based funds. BlackRock has an ESG-aware ETF. Guess what? The fees they charge are three times the fees on their S&P index fund. Uh, Fidelity has a fund that is a sustain, a, a, actually a um, women's leadership fund. And that ETF charges twenty to thirty times the expense ratio of their typical license fee, five hundred ETF. So you've even got investment investment firms making uh, plus 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 revenues and profits on creating higher fees for these ESG funds. So that's uh, you know the the industry, the financial industry, is way into this also.
0: Big time. Okay, we got about a minute. Uh, Boris Johnson's over here looking for unlimited money for Ukraine. In England, in London, they're burning coal and wood to the fact that they're to the point that where they've got uh, the atmosphere like uh, Victorian England. Um, is any improvement going to be on that? We got thirty seconds, Dave. Any improvement you see happening in, in London anytime soon?
3: Uh, not in the near term. I mean, they've they've dismantled uh, essentially all their coal fired continuous duty generation. They have not taken decisions yet. Under Liz Trust, they look like they're moving in this direction to free up permits, drilling permits in the North Sea. They need to do that. They need to free up fracking and natural gas development on land underfoot. They're 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 slow walking that with the change in government. Um, no, the uh, the salvation for now is mass importing of LNG from the USA, and our spread on making money on that. Our companies here, Talurian and Kinder Morgan, has just grown hugely. With our low prices here, and they're still paying 40, 30, 40 times what our costs are here. LNG from the U.S. will save the U.K. in the near term. But the people will pay uh, massive Dave, more.
0: Dave, we're going to put your social media up after the break. Thank you very much. Dave Walsh.
1: Here's your host, Stephen K. Bass.
0: Okay, CPAC.org slash War Room. Make sure you go there. You get $47 off. We want to see everybody in the posse. This is going to be our big kickoff to 2023, a big gathering, all the big speakers. You're going to have all the breakout rooms, all the big topics. And, of course, we're going to be doing the live show, and we're going to have a couple of surprises, but complete audience participation like we did in Phoenix at Turning Point USA. And, of course, what we did at CPAC Dallas. Uh, We did it the first time at CPAC Dallas. Worked out great, even better at Turning Point, so we're really revving up. That's the Real American Voice. I have all the other shows there, too, and all your favorite uh, commentators, host all of it. So make sure. It's 47 bucks off. I think the ticket's now under 250 I think it's 248 So go check it out. Also, MyPillow.com, promo code WARROOM, the launch of MyPillow 2.0. This is one that Mike uh, Lindell's been working hard on. Of course, you know how much the, my, the original pillow changed your sleeping habits. Right, well, this one's going to go next level. So make sure you go to mypillow. dot com promo code War Room. This one that you're going to absolutely love. My 2.0, buy one get one free. That big sale only do it at uh, War Room on our big square and you get all the other great sales uh, there with My uh, Pillow. Mypillow. dot com uh, promo code War My Pillow 2.0. Go check it out today. Now, we've had Dave Walsh, and one of the things we've been tracking on everything we do on energy is this, you know, you've had this ESG, you've had these other requirements, you've had people pushing back, some of the companies just buying their stock back, even kind of essentially looking like they're getting out of the energy business. At it, it, Pfizer, I want to make sure other people are saying that Pfizer's stocks off about $40 billion since mid-January just starting this year, $40 billion in a combination, I think, of, of y- your research in, in the book and, and, and the research that's coming out, coupled with uh, James O'Keefe and the great team over Veritas, has clearly brought this Pfizer situation up to the forefront. And I'm not saying that's what's caused the sell-off. Obviously, there's also questions about the profitability of the vaccine, what's going to happen near term. Is at some point in time... Because you're going to start, you've got more reports and, and more things that will make people's heads blow up. Is there some point in time we have to start turning and, and focusing on these big pharma companies, ma'am?
2: I mean, what uh, it's, it's an interesting question what is to be done, right? Because, in and forgive me, we have Loki the puppy, and uh, I guess we're introducing viewers to Loki the puppy, um, who's adorable. But, uh, it, you know, in a capitalist society, if they're not. Uh, engaging in um, a monopoly or selling dangerous or fraudulent products, there's there's very little to be done, right? I mean, that's the conservative position. Um, but I think that, you know, the question there is the fraud and the other crimes that, you know, as I mentioned often, our 250 lawyers have identified. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned to 14 attorneys general now across the country have received um, lawyer lawyers' letters asking them to investigate various crimes you know, from our team of volunteer lawyers. Um, and as I often mention, we have two teams, George Smith and Scott Street, uh, in two different parts of the country who are pursuing fraud um, complaints against Pfizer. So a, you know, in a capitalist society, what can you do? Mm-hmm. Pfizer is basically saying it's willing and ready and currently is a lawless um, company Uh, So it really kind of reminds me, you know, I keep saying to you we're in new territory, we're in a new dimension. It reminds me a lot of Mussolini's Italy. You know, it reminds me of the the first iteration of 20th century fascism in which um, corporatism and the government merged, you know, for the first time in modernity in that way. And um, and also it reminds me of, you know, of course, Nazi Germany, where there was Thyssen Krupp and even IBM, you know, working hand in hand with this totalitarian government. So, I'm I'm not sure, looking. I'm not sure what can um, be done beyond. And you know more about this than I do. But beyond um, uh, criminal investigations, civil investigations, congressional investigations, and maybe antitrust. I mean, you know, maybe humanity will decide. And maybe this goes beyond left and right, and beyond capitalism and communism. But maybe humanity will decide this this company has simply gotten to be too dangerous to humanity and too illegal, and we just have to break it up, um, you know, or or shutter it, you know, somehow. I mean, the crimes are just so massive. I mean, really, I, honestly, Steve, let me ask you, this is really unprecedented. Um, you know, what, I'm sorry, once he gets settled, he's fine. Um, what can be, what can be the solution for a massive criminal enterprise like this? I mean, it's really also more like mof, mafia linked companies in kind of the depression, you know, people, companies that were facilitating violence on a massive scale. What, what is the solution? Um, let me throw it back to you.
0: You have, by, by the way, you have, you have often talked, and people have talked about regulatory capture, right? We have, you know, um, people that work in these agencies go back to work for a big pharma and then go back to the agency and this kind of regulatory capture, they kind of work together. You're, you're talking about some of the different regulatory merger, where there's actually like like Mussolini's Italy, where it's very tough to talk, find out where the state ends and where the company begins. As you've done, you just from the evidence that you've seen in looking at the 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 uh, the, the evidence you got that was supposed to be kept for seventy five years that the FDA wanted to keep for seventy five years, which mm-hmm. makes no sense. Um, well, yes, it do does. Do you think we're in something like regulatory? Like, just well, let's use that as an example. Is this more regulatory? Merger? Do we actually have the merger of these entities where it's very tough to see where the government ends and the company starts? I mean, why would why would the FDA because if the FDA, if if the Dale Bigtree and the people over there hadn't gone to court with that great lawyer and gotten the federal judge to reverse this, we wouldn't even be talking. We wouldn't know any of this. This all came because a judge said, you can't keep this these records for 75 years. People need to know this information. And then it was not. It wasn't uh, Pfizer that went through these and kind of did <laughs> summaries or came forward and said, hey, here's what we want to show you. It took it took Naomi Wolf. It took the Daily Cloud. It took Amy Kelly and pulling together these lawyers and the volunteers that that, that signed up from the war room, the thirty five hundred to put their to put the muscle in. And so right. is this is this something is this epitomize or manifest something that's ver- been very different, at least in American history?
2: Well, that's. I, I guess what I'm struggling to say, it is entirely different. Um, i so sorry. Um, it's much less, you, you know, I keep saying it's not just regulatory capture, right? Um, it's, it's, it's so much beyond that. I mean, what we've established, especially with Report 54, is that, uh, you know, a, a horrific crime, you know, a crime of such massive scale has been committed. So you really much more have to think about um, you know, companies like ThyssenKrupp or companies like like um, IBM who facilitated crimes, right? The companies that built the, you know, Cyclone B, the companies that built the gas chambers, the companies that um, facilitated the, the transport of victims in railroad cars. And IBM, I mean, there's a very famous book about um, IBM and the Nazis. And uh, basically the whole, and this is because I read that book, that was why when there was all this kind of um, vaccine passport push, I was very, very, very nervous. Um, if it weren't for IBM, with a forerunner of the computer, with punch cards really, uh, helping. The Nazis keep incredibly detailed records, you know, neighborhood by neighborhood, town by town of who was a communist, who was a homosexual, who was a Jew. Right. And then fast forward to who's vaccinated, who's unvaccinated. Um, you know, we we found out that there are uh, n- there's a new uh, coding, you know, that the insurance industries are using in spite of everything we've done to get rid of vaccine passports legislatively, still now, you know, the CDC has rolled out a new code so that when you're unvaccinated, there's, they they know it, you know, when you check in to get medical care. Um, sorry, he's just tearing apart a rag, which is his favorite thing to do. Uh, you know, if it weren't for, for IBM facilitating that, then the Nazis could not have so quickly swooped in, again, neighborhood by neighborhood and, and and gathered everyone up. You know, they had the punch cards and IBM facilitated that. So what but this is much worse, right? This is much more like the company if there were a company that made Zyklon B, which is the gas that was used to gas um the Jews, if there was a company that uh coordinated with the Nazis to um, transport the Jews and supported the policy about transporting the Jews and rolled out the spokespeople and paid them about how important it was to transport the Jews and benefited from, you know, and, and made billions of dollars or Deutsche Marks uh, quarter after quarter in transporting and murdering the Jews. That's what we have here. Um, so, again, at these moments, you know, uh, I, my my kind of analytical and historical mind sort of boggles, and I just you know have to remind everyone that we're in completely historically uncharted territory, but it's much, much more serious than regulatory capture. I mean, regulatory capture was, you know, what what the jungle was written about. You know, it's like, oh, are they putting? you know, uh, cornstarch in in flour, are they extending bread with sawdust? You know, that's bad. Right. But this is so far beyond um, anything that we've seen in in terms of a global criminal enterprise, um, changing the law, buying the legislators, buying the media to, you know, hurt, disable at scale, kill people. and so we have to basically go beyond existing law and go beyond existing <laughs> regulatory uh, um, norms, you know, in order to deal with what we've got here. But the first step, you know, the first step is accountability and the first step is investigations. And, and that's why, you know, we right now in history, we have to be very careful of you know, memory holding these atrocities. You know, people have to. I mean, that's why you know we initiated something at Daily Cloud um, called the Accountability Project, where we're just inviting people to send in their stories. You know, tell their stories the way Yad Vashem invites survivors around the world and children of survivors to um, just memorialize the 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 stories of the victims of the Holocaust, so those won't be lost to history. And when we we really have all of the all of the stories, all of the accounting, all of the data points, and people like Ed Dowd are amazing. Igor Chudov is amazing. Our volunteers, of course, are amazing in, in, you know, documenting just the numbers, right? But we also need, we need the personal stories as well. We need to find out what happened to these 28 children. You know, where are their graves if they're dead? You know, are they alive? Did they survive? Who who injected the 34 children? You know, who, actually it was, it was 61 children, who, um, who took notes when that seven-year-old had a seizure, right? These are all these are all crimes that have to be entered into both a a, a criminal and a civil ledger and and we're just at the beginning of accountability. But there also has to be an appetite for accountability. Um, I'm sorry, I don't I don't know why he's so completely interested in making his appearance as a as an internet star.
1: No,
0: I can say real quickly because we want to hold you through the break. Uh, This thing about the $900 payment, what was this? Were parents paid money to have their their children into this program?
2: Yes, um, I'm really glad that I can talk about this. After um, you and I discussed the infamous report uh, 54 in which it was established that um, these 61 children were you know, injured or worse. Uh, I was contacted by Shannon Joy, who's a colleague and a friend in Rochester, who's a well-known podcaster. And she sent me a recording, which is absolutely chilling, and we'll post it, um, that she made, I don't know if she made it legally, I didn't make it, but you know, good for her, in which she basically called the University of Rochester Medical Center and pretended to be a mom trying to enroll her child. And this was in April of 2021 in the program that the University of Rochester had begun. Um, And it was a program to inject children and test them. And this was April of 2021. And I I don't even know if the EUA existed. They were looking for children as young as six months old. And they were all- Naomi,
0: hang hang on one second. I wanna wait to the punchline. We're gonna take a short break. Dr. Naomi Wolf's gonna join us on the other side. Another harrowing uh, story coming out of all this debacle, next in the war room. We
2: rejoice when there's
1: no more, let's take down the CCP. Of all our- Has arrived, the new social media taking on big tech, protecting free speech, and canceling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology, no more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture. Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want the way you want. Download now.
0: OK, welcome back, Dr. Naomi Wolf. So this is somebody that heard your uh, being on the air, heard about 54 yeah. and contacted you and they had contacted University of Rochester. Give me this again because it's quite disturbing already.
2: Sure. So this is a a colleague and acquaintance of mine, Shannon Joy. She's a well-known podcaster out of Rochester. She's a conservative. And um, although that doesn't matter. I mean, she just, you know, cares about children not being murdered. Uh, and she had heard us speaking um, yesterday, I believe, about uh, Report 54, about these um, 61 children who were injected um, unlawfully in December of 2020, starting in December of 2020. And she contacted me with a recording she made a year before in April of 2021. So, before the EUA, certainly before the EUA for tiny people, certainly before the EUA for babies. And she was responding, she was pretexting, um, you know, in the sense uh, that my husband, who's a security consultant who pretexts as part of his job, but, you know, like people in intelligence will pretend to be someone else. Well, Project Veritas will pretend to be someone else. So, she pretended to be calling. The University of Rochester Medical Center in order to enroll her child in this program that they were advertising in which, and it was in the local media, in which they were offering $900 to $1,000 each to parents to bring their child in to be experimented on with COVID vaccines and in other ways related to COVID. And so she wanted, she's a reporter, she wanted to get more information so there's this recording of her calling um, the person answering the phone, whose name is Dawn. And and Shannon is like, I've got a son. Can I bring him in? Is it true you're going to give me $900 or $1,000? How much do parents get paid? And Dawn is like, Yeah, it's $900 or $1,000 each. And um, <laughs> Shannon, to her credit, said, My son has um, mental, uh, I'm sorry, medical problems. Is that going to rule him out? And Dawn said, No you know, like you can go ahead and bring him in. And then Don absolutely appeared to lie to Shannon. Um, and and Don, you know, representing this program at the University of Rochester Medical Center said uh, that if something happened to the child in the course of the experiment on the child, um, all of his medical costs would be covered by the university. And we know that that, you know, isn't true. And she also said, you know, then Shannon said, well, are there any side effects? And Don said, it's like a flu shot. And so every single thing about it was chilling, but even more chilling is that Don told Shannon that the program at Rochester was only 150 children, and that they were just part of a much larger program at trial sites across the country where children were being injected experimentally. Remember, at this point, there was no EUA for six-month-old babies. I don't think at this point there was an EUA for under under 12-year-olds, um, certainly not under five-year-olds. And she said that there were about a thousand children enrolled in this program, um, being injected. And then, um, the other thing that, and it's still up, like I looked at the University of Rochester Medical Center and the offer is still up for five to $900 each. And it said, it actually says it doesn't matter how young your family member is. You can bring your family member in. And the other creepy thing, of course, um, you know, we tried to enroll and the other super creepy thing is that it only asks if you're Hispanic um or not Hispanic. That's the only question it asks about race. And so I think that what they're that's set up to do is to um attract desperate, you know, immigrants um, who who are trying to feed their kids. Um, and the other unbelievably creepy thing that came out of this recording is that this is so sad. Um, Shannon also rightly – she did such a good job as an undercover reporter – she she rightly asked, well, what's the makeup, you know, of the, of the people who've been calling to try to enroll their children in this program, down to six-month-old babies, right, um, for them to be injected with this experimental uh, injection? And um, Dawn said with some frustration that most of the callers had been suburban white women. In other words, this was April of 2021, the height of the propaganda. Moms and dads were being told, you know, you're exposing your child, your child's gonna die if you don't get a COVID shot, but they're not eligible yet. You know, oh, poor you, you have to mask them until they're eligible, they can't play with their friends till they're eligible. And so the women who were most propagandized, um, you know, who who were most targeted, Uh, who are most kind of embracing of the the vaccine uh, religion um, were calling desperately trying to um, get their tiny children to be injected in this experimental way under a a netting of lies by the University of Rochester Medical Center. And to this day, there's an offer of $900 to $1,000 per child all the way down to six-month-old babies to inject them experimentally.
0: Naomi, we got to bounce, but I want everybody. Where's the book right now? I want everybody to get a copy of this uh, and share it or gift it to somebody. And then, where do people go to find it? More of the work you're doing in the in the more recent reports, and to, and to sign on to put their shoulder to the wheel to push this out.
2: Thank you. Um, you can go to Amazon and go uh, look for the War Room Daily Cloud Pfizer Documents um, Research Ebook. Uh, and please do. It's still in the top 30, but we have to get it back up into the top 10 to really continue to break through. Um, and we also just need the truth to come out. You can also download a PDF on dailycloud.io and um, really, you know, watch the Project Veritas uh, clips and read this ebook side by side, because they really are two sides of the same coin, a, a murderous, genocidal Um uh, you know, what can I even call it? you know, corporation aiming to to hurt our kids and to disable us as as Americans and as human beings, we have to hold them accountable. And now, I mean, I'll just say, and then I will let you go, but now it becomes clear that we're at the tip of the iceberg of finding out about really a network of of trafficking children's bodies um, experimentally. And I want to know, you know who these three American children were who are experiment experimented yeah. on, and where else this is happening.
0: Naomi Wolf, thank you. Honored to have you on here, man. Okay, we'll be up on Getter all weekend. There's a lot of breaking news. We'll be doing live streams, putting up uh, everything on my Getter account. Go check it out. We'll be back live here on Real America's Voice, 10 a.m. Monday morning. I commit to you, we will be on fire. See you then. We
2: rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCB.